Aloha and welcome back to the Healing Laughter Podcast, the show where we talk about all things narcissistic abuse. I'm your host, Katie Utterback. I'm a certified narcissistic abuse recovery coach at Elevated Aura, an international holistic coaching firm specializing in helping survivors of toxic relationships learn self-love and how to live their best life. Today on the show, I wanted to share with you a little bit of what's going on in my life right now. Uh, A few months ago, my husband and I put an offer on a house and you guys, I'm, I'm so in shock, but we got the house and we, we closed on the house in April. We actually moved in about a week and a half ago and it feels so surreal to be a homeowner. Not only that, but I own a home in a place that I grew up dreaming about, Southern California. And my house is not only close to the ocean, but we have a fucking pool. My husband actually, he jokingly refers to it as my four Ps. I've got my palm tree palace, my pool, my puppy, and my prince. So if you look at my life, I have so, so many blessings. I have blessings that people dream about their whole life. And I know this because I was one of them. If we could go back in time and talk to the five-year-old version of me, or even the 25 version of me, she would be fucking ecstatic about all of this. The pool, the Prince Charming, especially the puppy. But I've been really hesitant to share with you all what's going well in my life because I don't want it to be mistaken as bragging, especially since there are so many people financially struggling, emotionally struggling right now. But I'm sharing this with you for a couple of reasons. The biggest is that your life can really just open up in ways that you had no idea were possible when you let go of toxic people and you get out of toxic environments. Because the reality is you were born to thrive. Trust me, the universe did not create you and just decide to give you a life riddled with torture or mediocrity. But this is where perception comes in and we have to have the perception that we can thrive before we actually do. In those moments when we have a million reasons to be bitter, we also have a million reasons to smile. And the choice comes down to you. The choice is where do you want to focus your energy? Because where you water the grass, where your focus goes, energy flows. And this is a tough mind flip when you have narcissistic parents, siblings, or a toxic partner. Because when you grow up in an environment that is toxic or abusive, even if you experience success or you accomplish something really big in your professional life, it's oftentimes just ignored, which in turn keeps targets of abuse from sharing the positives and the negatives in our lives. We don't really feel like we have anything to share. When I was growing up, watching the news and reading the newspaper were behaviors that were applauded. Having the ability to carry on a conversation regarding politics was pretty much mandatory if you wanted to participate in any conversation around the kitchen table, that is. It was either a discussion about politics or gossip. So in hindsight, it makes sense that my original career choice was to become a reporter. 
I wanted to have the inside scoop so that I would always feel like I had something relevant to contribute during dinner conversations. I wanted to make sure that I was someone interesting and that I knew what I was talking about. But if you are the black sheep scapegoat, it doesn't matter what you do well because the people around you are not looking for you to succeed. They don't want to cheer you on because you make them uncomfortable. You make them uncomfortable with your compassion, your confidence, your self-love, and your truth-telling. For a long time, I used to mistake what I was interested in as boring because I didn't realize that I was in a toxic family, let alone the scapegoat black sheep of a dysfunctional home. So for example, if I told my parents that they didn't have to come to my high school choir concert, they sometimes wouldn't come because I knew it was boring for them and it was easier for me to just drive myself than listen to my dad talk about how he had to pay $7 just to fall asleep in the high school auditorium. Now, when my parents did come to support me, they would almost always tell me that they had preferred another act. So I, I would ask my parents at the end of the, the concert, the performance, you know, what was your favorite song? What was your favorite you know, show moment, without fail, they would always name another song from another choir or another group. So when you constantly feel like a burden on your parents or that you're making someone do something financially and emotionally that they don't want to do, that's a hard pill to swallow. So instead of recognizing that my interests were different and that that was perfectly okay, I tried to pivot and find things that would, in my mind, undoubtedly make me attractive to hang out with and talk to, like reading and writing the news. But it didn't work. Even when I was a reporter working in Washington, D.C., I was covering Congress, the Obama administration, yet no one in my family made any effort to read any of my articles. Not even when I was winning an award for my coverage of the Ashley Madison breaches or when I was threatened by lobbyists for my coverage of privacy concerns related to smart city technologies. They didn't care that I was one of the first reporters in the country to interview pediatric medical marijuana patients, nor did they care that I was among the first to report on the phenomenon later dubbed revenge porn. When a male colleague pulled me aside in the newsroom to let me know that I was the first reporter in the outlet's 150-year history to say the word rape in an editorial meeting, instead of seeing how problematic it was that violence against women was not something discussed in a newsroom, a newsroom located across the street from an apartment complex where a woman had been brutally raped and murdered, my family just told me to stop rocking the boat. And it's this kind of emotional invalidation, always being told that my feelings were creating problems for others, that really has kept me from sharing more about my life. I even had uh, one boss who turned a photo of me into a meme because I prefaced every conversation with, I'm not trying to be problematic. Because the truth is, I don't want to be seen as someone who creates chaos just for the sake of it, nor do I want to be viewed as a pushover. 
because I have questions, passionate thoughts and opinions that I cannot swallow forever. I want to share what's going on in my life because I like learning what's going on with my friends and my chosen family. I like learning about the different paths, opportunities, and mindsets that exist. So that's why I wanted to talk to you about becoming a homeowner. Because I learned something about myself and healing from narcissistic abuse that I wasn't expecting. But that's trauma for you, right? It always bubbles up when you least expect it to. So the house that my husband and I bought, the process of buying a house is stressful. There's a normal roller coaster of emotions that one experiences when making such a large purchase like a home. But truthfully, everything came together in such a beautiful way. So we were really happy. But what I wasn't expecting was when we closed on the house and we were left with the keys and just each other, I watched my husband share our good news with his family and friends. And there was a part of me that became really melancholy. One feeling that I experienced when we closed on the house was not just a fear or or talking about it um, because I didn't want to be portrayed as bragging, but there was a part of me that was afraid to share the good news in my life because it felt too good to be true. It felt too good to be happening to me. So part of me just kept waiting for something to go wrong, for all of this goodness to just go away at any second. But that whole waiting for the other shoe to drop feeling, that attitude of everything is too good, too perfect, that's a trauma response. For those of us who had a painful or traumatic childhood, moving deeper into commitment or starting a family can bring up a lot of fear. And I know in my life, buying a house means that my husband and I took one step closer to becoming parents. Now, we're not actively trying to conceive yet, but knowing that that step is one day closer freaks me out on some level. My head starts to swirl with doubts and questions like, what if I don't know how to be the parent in a parent-child relationship? What if I don't know how to be a good parent because I wasn't parented? What if I repeat the patterns of my family history and I ruin it all? Now, I've been working on my healing for a few years, so I've surrounded myself at this point, including on social media, with accounts that help me when I reach this level of doubt. And there are tons of social media accounts on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever you're on, that all discuss generational trauma, emotional abuse, covert narcissistic parents, sibling bullying, and more. And it was on one of these days when I was really doubting my abilities to step up as a parent, to step up as a healthy partner, as a healthy pet parent, that I saw a post that really helped me reconnect with the truth. And the truth is that being a human is fucking hard. We are all going to make mistakes. No one is perfect. And that's okay. But the very fact that I'm asking these questions and doing the work is a testament to how much I care. And I know that because you're listening to this podcast that you're doing the work and you care too. 
So the fact that you and I are worried about repeating our family history says it all. That awareness means we are already breaking the cycle. And my God, does that feel good. Because making a choice to break the cycle is the most courageous thing you could ever do. And how sad would it be if we just let our past prevent us from having a beautiful future? Because if I'm being honest with you, one reason that I considered continuing to have a relationship with my parents, even after I learned just how toxic and abusive they were, I was scared to completely let go of that relationship because of money. For most of my life, I was financially abused. I grew up being told that the clothes and the foods that I wanted were essentially creating a financial burden on my parents. My mom would talk about using safety pins to keep her bras together, and she would only buy discount clothes for herself. And as a result, nothing quite fit her. And my dad had a non-stop, just constant comments about that. So mom would talk about having to pay a quarter at dinner as a child to get a second glass of milk. And she would usually share this story after I had spilt my glass of milk. So money was so tight for her that after I spilled milk a few times, I was essentially forbidden from pouring any more milk and I was given the nickname Spiller. There were other times when mom had to borrow money from my savings account in order to pay our mortgage. And since I was a kid, I really didn't care that the money was being taken from my savings to make our house payment because the truth is I was scared that we were not going to have a place to live if we didn't use my money, if we didn't have enough money. And on top of that, my mom would always remind me that she was the one who funded my savings account anyway, so the money never felt like mine, even though it had been gifted to me. Knowing these little blips, it's likely easy to believe that by the time I was an adult, I believed my parents a thousand percent when they said that I would need them at least as co-signers if I ever wanted to buy a home. And not only did they do this for my older siblings, but they would share stories about how hard it was for their coworkers' friends or their friends' children to get a house because these parents would refuse to become a co-signer. So these stories planted a narrative in my mind that money was exceptionally scarce and that my parents had my back more than most parents because they were willing to co-sign for me on a house one day. So you could say... I am beyond shocked when here I am, two years estranged from my family of origin, buying a house in one of the more expensive cities in the United States without a fucking cosigner. Like, when I tell you that you cannot heal in a toxic environment, this is why. Because we don't have really any clue as to what kinds of stories we've been telling ourselves about what we can and can't accomplish in life because of the narrative that these people put in our heads. So one activity that you can do to help you get a better sense of the stories you're telling yourself is to get them out of your head and on a paper. Make a list of qualities that you think describe you and write down what you believe to be true when it comes to romantic relationships, friendships, money, 
the environment, your career. Write it all down. Get it out of your head and onto paper. And then take a look at all of these, these stories, these perceived truths, and tell your, ask yourself, do I really believe this? That's our show for today. Remember, you deserve healing from narcissistic abuse because you are fucking worth it. And I love you. If you have any questions about narcissistic abuse or the recovery journey that you would like to have answered on this show, please send an email to katie at elevatedaura.com or you can submit a voice message on the Healing Laughter Anchor podcast homepage.